about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. How's everybody doing? Praise God. Hallelujah. Everybody doing wonderful tonight? All charged up? All ready for the Word of God? All excited about it? Try to contain yourselves. Try to hold yourselves back. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, we might as well get going, I guess. It's 732, so we're going to do that. All right, this will be week number Seven, we'll be here again next week, seeing as I missed last week. I was a bad boy, but I, Ben did a great job, praise God, and filled in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's good to be able to get in a pinch and call somebody and have them show right up and ready to go. How I many you know it says be ready in season and out of season? Well, last week was his season, praise God, and he was ready. Glory to God. So that's good. Hallelujah. All right. Take your Bibles. Go to Psalm 35 tonight. Father, I just thank you for another opportunity to share your word tonight. Father, I believe that your word is the most powerful thing that you send into this earth. I thank you that it gets in our hearts like a garden and it grows and it produces fruit in every area of our lives. Father, change what needs to be changed tonight. Reinforce what needs to be reinforced tonight. Let us leave here different than when we came in by your word and by the spirit of God. I thank you for what you're going to do in this place through me tonight and give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Psalm 35. Look at verse 27. It says, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Notice, God never planned that we should live in poverty. I want to talk tonight about true kingdom prosperity. And when God talks about prosperity, he just don't talk about money. He talks about physically. He talks about mentally. He talks about spiritually. He talks about relationships. He talks about marriages. He talks about every single area of your life. In the Old Testament, when he made Israel basically the prototype of the church that was coming, he made them the head of all the nations financially and tried to make them the head in every area of their life. Here it says, God takes pleasure in your prospering. How many know that verse right there blows the system out of taking a, a poverty vow? Why? Because God takes pleasure in your prosperity. Another verse says he, God is pleased to give you his entire kingdom. Well, how many know that's prosperity? So when we go into partnership or get born again in the kingdom of God, we learn his ways of doing business. We cannot be failures. The Bible talks about Jesus talked about either going the narrow way or going the broad way. Most people who are born again go the broad way. What's that kind of way? The way of the world, the way of the natural. But there is a narrow way that few go into, and those people that go into basically are the ones who are successful and prosper. The few that go in the narrow way basically are ones who line up with God's ways and God's ways of doing things rather than the way the world does things. So when we go into partnership with God, we are born again basically at that time. We are God-made, and God does not make failures. God never made a weakling. He never made a loser. Failures are a product of religion and humanity. There are no losers in the kingdom of God. There are only choosers in the kingdom of God. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse 9. It says, For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry, and you are God's building. Now, most people read this and never really take advantage of the statement that's made here. Basically, the statement made is we are laboring together with God himself. We are co-laborers with him in the earth realm. We have become partners with God, and we're here to carry out God's dreams, God's will, and God's desire here in the earth realm. That's why we're co-laboring with him. Religion basically taught us that God would co-labor with us, bringing to pass our desires, our wills, and our dreams. But that's not what the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is based on God and us helping to bring across his desires and his will. Here it says you are God's fellow worker. Say, I am God's fellow worker. He's called us to labor with him. So whatever your work is, as long as you are in his will, he is a partner with you to do it. 
If he is your partner, then you cannot be a failure. His wisdom is your wisdom. His ability in every department of your life is your ability. All that you need to do and all that needs to be done is to study the word and get the knowledge that is imparted to you from it. Now, why is that? Because you were raised, I don't care when you got saved, if you were 20 or you were 15 or you were 30, up until that time, all you learned were the ways of the world. You learned how the world did this, the world did that, your parents did this, your grandparents did that. But once you get in the Word of God, you are going to get knowledge and supernatural wisdom out of it that counterdict basically what the world has taught you to do. The world has taught you to work 14 jobs, store up your money so that you have some. God comes along and tells you to give. How many know that's completely opposite? So if you get born again and you continue to operate in the world system, you're going to get the world results. If you're going to operate in God's system, you're going to get God results. And I found out that God's results are better. Hallelujah. He will give you the ability to use the knowledge that he gives you there so you can live a life of success in every area of your life. God knows everything. He is a fellow worker with you, so there's no limit to your success. It's funny, they got that TV show to make people rich called Shark Tank. Well, we don't have Shark Tank. We have God Tank. When you hook up with God and you get invested with God, things are going to go well for you in your life. The problem is most of the church does not care about the knowledge of God or the wisdom of God. They're born again. They're going to heaven. That's as far really as I want to go. So they don't spend time in the Word, get knowledge from God, continue to live in the worldly ways and continually be defeated even though they're born again and going to heaven. Let's just go to Proverbs chapter 1. We'll take a little sidetrack here. It's one of the scriptures the Lord gave me when I was starting in the ministry. He was talking to me about the church at that time, which was 21 years ago. And in Proverbs chapter 1, he said, This is my church, starting in verse 20. Wisdom is crying without. She is uttering her voice in the streets. She cries in the chief place of the concourse and the openings of the gates. In the city she utters her words, saying, How long will you simple ones remain simple and love simplicity? And you scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. If you'll just turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you, and I will make known my words unto you. But because I have called, and you refused, I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But you have set at not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear comes as desolation and your destruction comes as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge, talking about God's knowledge, and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperities of fools shall destroy them. But whosoever hearkens unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. How many know that's a pretty serious scripture there? And what was he telling me? He was telling me most of the church don't really care about God's opinion, don't really care about the Word of God, don't really care about God's ways. They know what they're doing. They got it figured out. But then calamity hits, and all at once they want to get real spiritual. How many of you know people like that? All at once, all hell breaks loose, and all at once, they want to get real spiritual with God, and they want to blame God for what's gone wrong in their life. But God had knowledge beforehand telling them what they should do when the situation came. The problem was they did not seek the knowledge for that situation. Since they didn't seek it, they did not know it. Since they did not know it, they failed in that area of their life. So God said, what I want you to do is I want you to start a church, and I want you to bring knowledge to people, knowledge, not regular knowledge, supernatural spiritual knowledge, so they do the ways of God and they're victors in every single area of their life. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 16. It says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of who? Christ. Now, this, this is a pretty good scripture here. It says, We have the mind of Christ. 
So the day that you got born again, you have the ability to think like God, act like God, reason like God, understand like God, to have the knowledge of God. The problem is most people are not tapping into the mind of Christ. They're tapping into their own mind, which doesn't help them at all. If you read this whole verse here and everything about it, he was basically goes on then to reprove the Corinthians because they were acting as mere men and they were acting as worldly men. So what's he saying? The mind of Christ is available to each and every one of us, and it comes through getting knowledge out of the Word of God, the way God does things, God's desire, God's will, what God wants done, and we do that, then we are operating in the mind of Christ. As a new creation person, you have the mind of Christ ability on the inside of you. We have the ability to think and even invent beyond the natural man's ability. If you go to countries where basically there's no Christianity, there's no patent laws there. You know why? Because nobody can invent anything there. They can't think beyond the natural realm. But you go to a Christian country and inventions are coming forth. Why? Because the Spirit of God is taking mankind beyond the natural into the supernatural to invent things by the Spirit of God and by their spirit and basically taking them to another realm. We have been told that God basically, when I was told that He would stand by up there and I was a puppet on a string and He would move my arms wherever I wanted to go and move my legs wherever I wanted to go and He was in control of everything. But we're finding out that we are supposed to cooperate with Him. The Bible says... Not for God, but with God, all things are possible. And it doesn't say basically all things are possible for God. It says all things are possible with God. So once again, he, he's putting us together with him. He never wanted to rule the earth. He never wanted to do anything in the earth. He put man here to be his reigning people and influence here. But you can't rule and reign like God would unless you have God's mind, God's wills, God's thoughts. Otherwise, you're not going to be really make any advantage down here at all. So we have the ability to think like God. We have the ability to invent things. We have been told that God would stand at a distance, but that's not true. He has made himself one with us. How many of you know you've been recreated into God's class? So you're a God class person now once you got born again. You're in the image and likeness of Him. You have dominion just like He has. You have the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. All these things have been given to us, and as long as you see God here and you here, you're going to have a hard time cooperating with Him. But once you see yourself and take care of all the provision that he paid for on the cross, made you righteous, made you holy, given you power, since he's done that and you see him, you will then become a fellow worker with him. And I'll tell you what, how I many you know it's fun to work with God? All right, go to John 15. Many people get burned out of the ministry. You know why? They're working for themselves. All right, John chapter 15. Now notice the oneness here. This is Jesus. Verse 5, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do what? Nothing. So here's, he's describing the oneness that we have with him. If you have a, a bush at home or a tree at home, there's a vine, and then there's a the branch. How many of you know they're one? I mean, no, no fruit can be produced unless the branch and the vine are together in a oneness. If the branch don't produce fruit, it gets cut off and another branch gets put on. Here he's talking about how one, basically the vine which is he on the inside of us, will flow through us as the branch and we are the ones who bring forth the fruit. God's not the one who brings forth fruit. He's the one who initiates it and gets it through the inside of us so that we can do it through the God nature on the inside of us. That nature and ability will produce in us and through us, the same kind of works that Jesus did. I mean, you know, when Jesus walked the earth, God was the vine and he was the branch. So all the fruits he did came basically from God through him in a oneness that was there. And since we've been given God's nature and ability, it will produce things in our life that are beyond the natural realm. The vine needs the branch and the branch needs the vine. Some people think, well, God is important to me. Well, you're important to God. Well, I don't believe I am. Well, then if you're branch and you keep falling off, he can't produce any fruit because he needs you to produce fruit here in the earth and get done. So the Bible says we are laborers together with him. We are fellow workers with him. We cannot fail as long as we stay attached to him. He is interested in our progress and our development. He's interested in your marriage. He's interested in your finances. He's interested in your job. He's interested in every single area of your life. And if you stay connected to him and do it his way, you will not have problems. If you try to do it your way, 
you know, the old Burger King, have it your way. If you do that, basically, then you disconnect from God and you're out on your own. So basically right now we want to cultivate, and one of the most important things is you cultivate a close relationship with him through the word and through the spirit of God. You must get a close relationship and fellowship with him through the word and through the spirit of God. What will this do? It will renew your soul to start to think like he thinks. If you get into that place, there's no limit where you can go. If you do that, your, your job will become a ministry rather than a job. Everything that you do will be tied to God's will and God's desire and what he's doing. You will be a full-time employee of God and be co-laboring with him if you can line your soul up with him. The Bible says you will prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So you want to cultivate the mind of Christ that's on the inside of you. One time I asked God a question and he told me if I'm failing it's because I'm thinking too much. I said, well, what do I need to do? He said, you need to learn too much. So what was I doing? I was trying to figure out everything. Every problem that came along, every financial thing came along, trying to figure out how to do it, trying to figure. He said, why don't you spend time on my way and learn how to do it and then think in line with me and it'll work for you better than trying to reason everything out. Now, I know nobody in here does that. We all do, don't we? Problem comes along, we want to figure out how to do it. Well, why not go back to the Word and find out how He wants to do it? And if you do it the way He wants to do it, now you're co-laboring with Him, and your chances of failure aren't very good, because if you co-labor with Him, He ain't going to lose. He wins every single time. Hallelujah. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 9. It is written, eye has not seen, nor your ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So this says, you don't have to do your own thinking, your own reasoning, your own figuring out. If you're born again, the Spirit of God on the inside of you will start to reveal spiritual things to you, things that are above the natural realm. He'll reveal tithing to you as a way of victory financial. He'll teach you the scriptures that say like, a soft answer turns away wrath. How many you know in the natural, a louder answer turns away a louder answer? That's the way we do it. But that's not the way it is. So the Spirit of God will impart that to you. Somebody's all upset. They're out there. What are you going to do? You're going to give him a soft answer. I'm thinking like God now. I'm behaving like God. And I'm going to get victory in that situation. So these are spiritual things. And not just spiritual things. He's talking about everyday things. Your employment. Your finances. Your relationship. Sometimes we get too spiritual on things, but he will show you things basically that are different from the way that you're thinking so he can get involved in what's going on. One of the things he dealt with in me was when we were looking for a building and we, we wanted to have a church. I'm looking all over to rent some building someplace. And he came to me and he spoke to me in my prayer time and he said, why do you want to rent a place? And I said, well, that's easy. We don't have a place. And he simply said, well, why do you want to rent a place? And I thought I answered it. And I just said, because every other church is renting someplace. And he says, that's right. And I'm tired of it. He said, why don't your church buy a place and then rent a place to the world to pay for your place? And I had never thought of that before in my life because nobody does that. They're renting over here. They're renting over there. They're renting over here. I thought, wow, that's a good idea. Why don't I buy a place and get some old center boy in here to pay for it with me and rent it out and do something with it? So that's what we did. But that had never, ever crossed my mind till that point I was looking for a place to rent looking for square footage to rent going to a place for rent what happened the spirit of God on the inside of me spoke to me and gave me something above that realm praise God and a new way of doing things how many know it's better to have something have somebody else pay it off than to rent from somebody and help them pay it off so what was that? Now, that wasn't super spiritual or anything. Basically, it was logically when you think about it, but it's something the Spirit of God spoke to me on the inside about, and it changed my way of thinking and changed at that time my whole ministry at that time. So the Spirit of God wants to come into your life. He wants to deal in situations and circumstances in your life. How many know that fracking just came along in the last 10 or 15 years to get oil out of the ground? There's a scripture in the Old Testament that said you will get oil out of the flinty rock. Well, God knew about that maybe before everybody else did. Of course he did. He knew the oil was in there. He put it in the Bible, and all at once people started fracking. Woohoo! Came up with this great idea. No, they didn't. 
Somebody who heard from God came up with this great idea. Everything you got from the iPhone to anything else you got was a God idea that took somebody beyond the natural realm into the spiritual realm so they could design those things. Now notice, they were available all the time. They were available back in the 1800s, 1700s. But knowledge had not come to a place under the Spirit of God yet where these things could be developed in your life. So spiritual knowledge of what will take you to a new place, it will take you into a different way of thinking, a different way of doing things. And by doing that, then you will get in co-laboring with God. And once you're working with God, how many know things go really, really good? Praise God. So we're going to learn to allow Him to draw us out. We're going to let Him unveil His thoughts and His desires to us. His Spirit will use the word planted in our hearts, a heart that is responsive to God, not rocky or not weedy, tilled ground. We will produce fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold that will equal our prosperity and success and glorify God at the same time. All right, look at verse 14. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are what? Foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So it requires a recreated spirit, a spirit that has been in the Word of God, a spirit that where you can advance mentally, spiritually, and physically in your life. It takes a born-again man, but it takes someone who's not born again only, but someone who's progressed out of their natural mind. People who are born again and in their natural mind had never been around the move of the Spirit. How many know when the Spirit moves? Everybody freaks out. And people get touched, people shake, people fall down, people laugh. And Christians who've been Christians for 30 years and gone to church every Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday run out the back door. Why is that? They're born again, but they're still naturally minded in their mind. And anything above the natural scares them, so they've got to run away from the thing. They don't believe in speaking to tongues. It's of the devil. Why? They can't figure it out. The natural mind won't figure it out. Why should I makate la moshiketa when it doesn't mean a thing to me? So what happens then? He wants to take us. He wants to get our mind out of the natural realm. He wants to get it on spiritual things. So when spiritual things happen, it doesn't shock us. See, it's just something that comes natural to us because through the word of God, we've come out of that. All right, go to Romans chapter 5. I've been uh, on the move getting the book in Christian bookstores, as many as I can get it in. And you get some of them that uh, are very receptive to it, some of them who want to read it first, some of them want to take a look at it first. So it's really interesting to see the different things. You know, just because it's a Christian bookstore doesn't mean it's a real Christian bookstore. You know what I mean? I mean, they believe God saved me, I'm going to heaven, and I'm a sinner. Other than that, they don't believe. So many of them, I'm going to get it in one tomorrow, and they, they want to read it first, what I think is a good idea. If you've got a bookstore, you should read it first. So they're going to read it. And some places I've got back, hallelujah, we want that book sent it. And some other places I've never heard back from anywhere. Well, I know that they were not exactly believing, are you following me, what was in the book and didn't want to give it to their people. But notice it's a way of getting a bigger thought life into people's lives so that they can see further in the things of God. And like I say, there's all kind of different Christians out there. And I don't want to remain a natural thinking Christian. I want to be a spiritual thinking Christian. And I want to do what God wants to do in this ministry in every area of my life. Praise God. All right, Romans chapter 5. Look at verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in this life through Jesus Christ. So here we see the gift of grace. Say the gift of grace. Now you don't have to earn this. This was a free gift. It's eternal life that's on the inside of you. It's God's nature that's on the inside of you. It's God's righteousness. It's God's ability that's on the inside of you. When he imparted his nature to you, he expected you would let that nature loose in your life. His nature is then supposed to govern our entire thought processes. Our minds should be renewed to the Word of God so that our thoughts become His thoughts, our desires become His desires, our ways become His ways, and when we do that, we're walking in the will of God. We've become one with Him. In other words, God doesn't have to come to earth anymore to rule and reign. He is just using you to rule and reign through because He don't need to do it because you're doing it. And this is what the church was put here before. This is why we're here. He made us in His image. He made us in His likeness so we could be co-workers or co-laborers with Him right here in the earth realm. All right, go to Romans chapter 8.
Look at verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed into the image of his Son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. So he said every person that gets born of the kingdom of God, basically they are slowly being conformed into the image and likeness of God. Now spiritually you're already there, but how many know your mind doesn't line up with your spirit sometimes? That's why some of you have an all-day battle, because the battle is between your spirit and your own mind. There's a fight there. Your mind don't want to change. Your soul wants to control your life. Your feelings and emotions want to hang on in your life. But when you get spiritual and get on the Word of God, you will overcome feelings and emotions, and your spirit man will rise above it. Here he says you're predestined to be conformed to His image. When you become one heart with Him, one mind with Him, one purpose with Him, you will succeed in every single area of your life. Basically what He wants is God and sons. He wants a business. He wants God and sons working here in the earth realm. Now, this, this conformity takes a while. How many of you know that? It's a growing process. Through the Word, you grow. Through the Spirit of God, you grow. Through teaching, you grow. You grow up in the image and likeness of God to be like Him. So basically, the day that you die, you won't have to do that anymore because you'll instantly find out that you've been conformed to the image and likeness of Christ. But while you're here on earth, sometimes you look in the mirror, don't look like that, does it? So basically, what we're going through right now is what I call a slow rapture. Slowly rapturing. What's on the inside of us is slowly starting to come out of the inside of us. The love of God is being displayed here. The joy is being displayed over here. The no worry person is being displayed over here. We're slowly being conformed into His image and into His likeness. And we do that through the Word of God and through the Spirit of God. And basically we are producing fruit. He is the vine and we are the branches and producing fruit through the God who lives on the inside of us. All right, go to Colossians chapter 1. All right, Colossians chapter 1, one of my favorite scriptures, verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, when I first got born again and I followed everybody what they told me to do and did everything, I read this verse as... For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that, I might, that God might be filled with the knowledge of my will. <laughs> God, give me a house. God, give me a car. God, do this because this is what I want to do. God, do that because this is what I want to do. What was I doing? I was hoping he would line up with my will. Then I found out that that's not exactly what the verse says. The verse says that I'm supposed to line up with his will. And his will is better than my will. So when things weren't working out, I went back to the will to find out if it was something I willed or something he willed. If I could find it in Scripture to something that he willed and I got on board with it, there was success every time. But it's something that you will and God doesn't get involved. It's not God's fault because he's interested in his will, not your will, and you will fulfill your will when you go after his will. That's just the way it works with God, praise God. So look at it again. Filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So I get in the Bible and the knowledge of God is coming to me. I'm understanding His will. And all at once I find out His will, what to do with sick people is heal them. That's what the Bible tells me to do. Before I, I avoided them because I didn't want to catch it. I prayed from a distance from them because I didn't want to get too close from them. And then it tells me to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So I said, praise God. If that's God's will, then I'm going to do that. And then as I started to do it, God revealed to me how to do it, how to use the ability he gave me, how to speak to that person, how to get that person in line to do it. What happened? As soon as I got in God's will, he started to show me how to do the thing that he wanted done through me. Do you see? Some people say, well, until he shows me. I'm not going to do it. Well, then you're not going to do it. Can he going to show you till you start to do it? That's the way God operates. Praise God. The Bible says, I found out that he wanted every man saved. 
When I was first born again, I didn't think some could get saved that I was running around with. But I thought, God, he wants every man saved. So praise God, what am I going to do? I'm going to look to get people born again. I'm going to look to get people saved. I'm going to look to get them in the kingdom of God, praise God. And then he'll show you how to. The book came out of a how-to desire to get people saved. He said, write a book. All right, I'll write a book. Praise God. I don't know how to write a book. As soon as I started writing a book, guess what? I figured out how to write a book. Praise God. Then I didn't know how to get it published. But as soon as I decided I was going to get it published, guess what? He was right there to make sure God got me a good place to do it, got me a good Christian place to do it, got me a Holy Ghost place to do it, got it out at a cheap rate, got it set out. But notice what happened. You know God's will. Now you're going to get in line with God's will, and it's going to produce fruit in every single ear out of your life. Same way with ministry. Many people just start in ministry, think they all got it figured out. Man, I'll tell you, you ain't got nothing figured out. When you start in ministry, I don't care how much you think you know. I don't care how much you've studied in cemetery. I mean seminary. <laughs> don't really make any difference, praise God, because it's all by the Spirit of God and the knowledge of God of what to do. So we want to walk worthy of the Lord. Look at the next verse. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, and I want to be fruitful in a couple good works. Every other good work I try, 50% and increase in the knowledge of who? of knowledge of God. So, so you need to go to the Word of God. You need to find out how to do how God would do all these things. One thing the church has got to get a hold of is they've got to learn how God wants you to handle your money because most church people don't know how to do it. My God, the church is the poorest thing around. And why is it? It's not because God don't want to bless people. It's because people don't want to learn how to actually do their money and handle their money and, and do things, praise God. And because of that, basically, they're all broke. Well, what do they need to do? They need to get to a place where they understand God knows more about your finances than you. God knows more about your marriage than you. God knows more about your job than you. God knows more about these things. So I want to get knowledge. I want to get wisdom. I want to get God's knowledge and God's wisdom on this stuff because God knows what he's doing, praise God. All right, go to Romans chapter 6. Okay, Romans chapter 6, look at verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, how many of you know we have? Then we shall also be in the likeness of his what? Resurrection, praise God. In other words, he's telling you can, you can join in the resurrection when Jesus was raised from the dead. How many know that was a victorious thing? How many know it was a powerful thing? How many know it was a victory over Satan? that he's defeated now. So a resurrection life in you that gives you the opportunity to do it basically would be the life of God with the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God to do things God's way. A resurrection life, it will give you the ability and resurrection ability in every single area of your life. The best thing you can do in your own life is understand that you do not know how to do some things and go to God to find out how to do those things. And God will certainly show you and speak to you and show you. Notice we have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. We should never fail. God is gradually coming into our life a little bit at a time, sneaking into our marriage, getting into our home, into our job, into our finances. He, will, he does not want to come to a home basically of poverty. He wants to be in a house that's prospering. He wants to be in a house that's full of joy and full of peace and where the children are actually fed and got clothes, praise God. So the law of prosperity basically is discovered in His making Himself one with us. That's prosperity in the kingdom. When God and you become one together, when your identification with Him in your earth walk is Him, when you take on the new identity that God has given you in the new birth by the cross of Calvary, it is not prospering in the world. Some people think money, gold, fame, politics are prosperity. They are not. They will never fill you. Don't matter how much money you get, it will never fill the void on the inside of you. No matter how many houses you get, it will never do it. No matter how good your job is, it will never do it. The void is filled when you become in such a oneness with God that you hear His voice clearly and you follow everything that He tells you to do and you know from the Word of God that it is His will so your soul doesn't argue with you. I mean, you know that God has told you some things sometime and your soul will argue with you. And if you, if you ever notice, whenever you're in an argument, it's always reasoning it's coming against you, and reasoning doesn't come from your spirit. It comes from your soul. Do this, and your reason will say, well, there's 150 reasons why you shouldn't do that. 
And you won't hear it again the next morning. You wake up and God will say, do this. And here it comes again. Now 170 reasons. It's came up with 20 more overnight to give you. But notice, you're not living out of here. You're not living out of the soul realm. You've been in the Word enough and prayer enough where you're hearing God's voice and knowing what God wants to do. We're sharing in His resurrection and His, and His ability. Basically, we are becoming the light of the world. We're becoming the salt of the earth. People are seeing you succeed in areas of your life and they ask you how to do it. Well, how are you succeeding in your finances? Well, I go to church every Sunday and Wednesday and I tithe. And how many know they go? <laughs> because that's the last thing. They want to hear how you, you won the lottery. They want to hear, hear how you were a, a singer for country western music and made a bunch of money. They, want to hear, they don't want to hear tithing because tithing doesn't go for the natural mind. It's a spiritual thing that God has placed into your life. So we can be the light of the world. We can be the salt of the earth. We can be successful as long as we're doing godly things. All right, John 14. All right, John 14, look at verse 21. It says, He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Now, how many know that's, that's exciting? When God starts to manifest himself to you, I'm not talking about appearing to you in your bedroom and talking to you. I'm talking about manifesting his ways and his thoughts and his desire and his will to you so that your will and your desire and your thoughts become like his. Most of you have been born again long enough to where your desires have probably changed from the day you got born again till now. If they didn't, then you have been in the word at all. Because that's the first thing that starts to change. Your desires start to change on the inside of you to godly things and God's will rather than what you've been doing over the years. Here he says, prosperity and success is having the Father love us, which he does anyway. Jesus love us, but then they will reveal themselves to us. They will manifest their ways to us. Uh, the ways of, of handling money. The ways of living in a good marriage. The ways of getting strength. The ways of doing all these things. Healing the sick. Casting out devils. All these things basically come from God and His way to do it. He will show you how to bless people. How to get people saved. He will show you all this stuff basically because He's manifesting the way He would do it. And if we do it the way He would do it, there is success there. All right, go to Malachi chapter 3. This is going to tie in a little bit with Sunday, so you guys get a head start, praise God. You will get divine revelation on Sunday. And others will say, where did that come from? Well, it came from Wednesday night, praise God. All right, here's working with God, Malachi chapter 3. Look at verse 10. God says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you, that there shall not be room enough for you to receive it. Now this is basically dollars and cents, just money. Basically, he says, a way to have a happy home, the way to have a good business, the way to be blessed financially, basically, is you bring one-tenth of the storehouse that you've got, and God begins to pour a blessing on the other 90% that you hold back. He will teach you how to buy. He will teach you how to and when to sell. He will teach you how to save. He will teach you how to accumulate. Now, how many know if every time you went in a store and was going to buy something randomly and went to God first, most of the stuff you have right now, you would have never bought? Come on. There it is. I need that. And there it sits in the closet now for 14 years. And I need that. And I need that. Why is that? Because you want to do it the way you want to do it. You want to do things your way. You want to spend the other 90% that actually belongs to him anyway because everything belongs to him. You're just taking care of it, praise God. And you get in there. Then all at once, Christians are coming. Pray for me. I'm in debt. Pray the spirit of debt off me. No, I'd rather pray the spirit of stupidity off of you. Come on, are you following me? You just can't go out and throw money all around and come to God for some kind of deliverance, praise God. It doesn't work that way. So you want to be careful. I mean, you know, it's God. People say, well, you run a church, it's God's money. Well, guess what? Your money's God's money too. 
Don't look at me and point the finger. The money that you have in your pocket, in your purse, wherever, is God's moolah, praise God. And God will show you how to use that moolah, and he will bless the other 90%. And I'm not saying you don't buy anything you want or buy anything you need. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we don't buy the things we don't need and don't buy the things we don't want, and we end up with them anyway. And then basically we thank God days and days that we have a garage. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. So his wisdom will become our wisdom. He says, you tithe, I'll show you how to run your money. I'll show you how to invest it. I'll show you how to do this. I'll show you how to do that. I'll explain to you how to do things and not run to the stock market unless God tells you to. Do you see what I mean? Not everybody's designed to throw a million dollars in the stock market and hope something happens. He does have people in there who know what they're doing who do it. But basically, I'm not one of those. I'm not in there because I know nothing about it and he's never revealed anything to me about it and I'm not in it. But other people are. They're good Christian people who are in there. So he talks to everybody differently. Everybody's got a different course basically that he wants you to go on. You have certain abilities on the inside that he wants to bring out of the inside of you. And in order to do that, you need to become one with him. One with him money-wise. And he'll speak to you. He'll show you what to do, what not to do, what to waste, what not to waste. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 6, look at verse 6. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we're going to carry nothing out. And having food or raiment, let us there well be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Here it says, Prosperity in God is being free from the spirit of ownership. Say the spirit of ownership. What is a spirit of ownership? It is a spirit of where you own what you have and don't understand that God owns what you have and you are the manager of what God has. How many know you're not going to carry your house out of here when you die? You're not going to take your new car out of here when you die? See, all that's going to be left for somebody else. You're just taking care of it for now and sooner or later it's going to be somebody else's. When you get that way, you find out that you are a manager of it. Verse 9 talks about the whole world. What do they run after? Wealth, riches, fame, everybody to love them and like them. Giving awards on Sunday night, every other Sunday night for another singer, for another this. Giving them another award. That's not wealth and that's not prosperity. That leads to a temptation and a snare, the Bible says. Many that are rich and are sad, many are depressed, many are unfulfilled, many are committing suicide, and many just want more. You know, there's people out there with trillions of dollars that still want more because they ain't got enough and they're going after it. And the Bible only talks about two, two things you can serve. You know what they are? God and money. So the question is, in my own heart and your heart, which do we love more? Which do we pursue more? Which do we spend more time thinking about and getting, praise God? Is it God or is it money? Look at verse 11. He says, but thou, O man of God, see, that's me, Flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. So as a man of God, my true prosperity is where? Following and studying after righteousness, my right place with God and staying in a right place with God. Godliness, which is my oneness with God, His nature, His will, His wisdom, ability. It says faith, love, and patience. So true prosperity is not in what we have. True prosperity for us is who we are. Your true prosperity is in who you are, not what you have. Your oneness and your identity with God is what brings fulfillment, happiness, and joy. The Bible says, The one who delights in the word of the Lord and in his word meditates day and night, it is he then and whatsoever he does, he shall prosper talking about following God's ways, following God's will in every single area of our life. I did a series years and years ago. A simple word for what we're teaching on tonight is the high calling. It's a high calling. What's the high calling? Oneness with God. What's the most important call of your life? Oneness with God. That's what it is. To manifest what God has placed in you, which is oneness with Him. All right, look at John 17. 
I notice this is Jesus praying in John 17. Look at verse 21. Let's see what he's praying. He's praying for the church that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, and that also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So here's Jesus right before he's leaving. What's he praying for? He's praying for the oneness or true prosperity in your life and in the church, that you make the right choices, that you do the right things, that you do things his way, not your way, that you follow his will and his desire. Jesus is praying for our prosperity so that we will co-labor with him when the time comes to co-labor with him, that we will bring God into someone's life. You know, there, there's people you've ran into already where you just threw love at them, and how many know it changed their life in an instant? What was it? It was the love of God at that time, and God impressed on you. Don't argue with them. Don't fuss with them. Don't fight with them. Just tell them I love them. And you did that, and it just melted them right down to the end. Why is that? Because that's what Jesus would have done in that situation, praise God. And when we do that, when we're one with him, we will see results in every single area of our life. All right, go to Joshua chapter 1. I could give you many examples of where I heard God's voice did something that didn't make sense to me and it worked out. And I could also give you many examples many times that God spoke to me and I sensed it out, didn't do it, and wish I'd had. All right, Joshua chapter 1. Look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good what? Success. Now this, here's a formula he gave to Joshua. Joshua had just taken over several million people because Moses had died, and this is what he was told. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. How many know that's the word of God? That you meditate therein day at night, that you may observe to do. How many know that's your imagination and your sight? In other words, you're seen to do it so that you do it. And notice it says, you will make your way prosperous. Say, I will make my way prosperous. So prosperity is not God's job. Prosperity is your job. Well, how am I going to do that job? I'm going to keep the laws of God and the ways of God in my mouth and in my heart and meditate on them so that I do them the same way that God would do them so I never fail, but I have success all the time by obeying His laws. Now, here's the thing. Obeying his laws is more important than praying. I wish the church would get a hold of this, but they don't do it. Pray, pray, pray about this. Pray about that. Obey the laws. Because if you don't obey the laws, it's not going to work anyway. You can take a seed and you can put it on this floor tonight and you can kumayalabashakeda over it. You can cast a devil of seed, seedlessness over it and you can come back a hundred years later and that seed is still going to be a seed. Why? Because you didn't do the law. Law says you put it in the ground. You give it water, it grows. You want to put it on the cement and then get mad at God because it didn't grow anywhere. See? And you can pray over it. You can scream over it. You can jump over it. You can shout over it. You can do a backflip over it and it's still going to be a seed until you obey the laws of God. Praise God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for me. What are you doing? Well, I'm doing this, that, or all against the laws of God. There's no sense in me praying for you. I can tell you what the laws are. You need to start obeying the things. Prayer ain't going to help you. You see, everything's prayer in the church. Prayer, 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 prayer. Well, no, no. How about, uh, I got problems here, and I got problems there, and I hate this person, I hate this person. What, what should I do? Love them. Amen. No, pray for me. Love them. No, what is it going to do for pray for you? You're not even doing what you're supposed to be doing. See? Oh, Lord, love them. They ain't going to do it. See? Forgiveness. They can't give up forgiveness. So I hate that person. I pray for me. I ain't going to pray for you. Forgive them. Do what the law says, and maybe my prayer will do you some good, but until you obey the law, my prayer is just a waste of time, and i got better things to do than pray a bunch of prayers that aren't going to help. See? So people ask me to pray all the time. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. I ain't going to waste my time on a prayer just because I'm religious, and I'm a pastor, and I'm supposed to have all the answers to everybody's problem. I don't, praise God, hallelujah. I'll pray with you if you're following the laws, if you're doing the thing, then I'll pray with you and I guarantee you'll get results. 
you see? But laws are involved in this stuff, and the church has just disregarded laws, praise God. They don't want to read the Word. They don't want to do anything than blame God for everything that goes on. And Well, it's not that way, praise God. God has given us some laws to do, and when we obey those laws, we have a right to pray and go to Him and receive from Him. Otherwise, you don't have a right because you are not in righteousness, right standing. Seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You're seeking His kingdom, but you're not turning over to His righteousness, so you're separated to begin with, praise God. All right, that was a side trip, but praise God. So we found the key to prosperity. Basically, it's time with Him in His Word. It's talking and thinking on His Word of God. It's knowing what to do and doing it. Say, and doing it. We've got a lot of people that know what to do, but then they just don't want to do it. It will cause us to see. Here it says, observe things that we do not know yet, things out of the natural realm that our mind could never understand, but now we'll see it. We'll see who we really are. We'll see who He really is. We'll start to see the ability that we have. We'll start to understand His will, His desire. Not only see it, observe it, but we'll also start to do what God wants done. It's His will plus His wisdom and His understanding and how to do it. We can't fail as long as we're co-laboring with God. In all we'll do, we'll prosper. In all we'll do, we'll have success. But it'll be good success. Say good success. Good success is success in God and obeying God and doing what He wants done. All right, go to Philippians chapter 3. All right, now I've got to go back. We can't miss this. Go to Philippians chapter 1 first. It's highlighted in my Bible, so I've got to read it. Look at Philippians 1 verse 20. Now notice what Paul says here. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be for life or death, for me to live is and to die is no, what was he praying for? He was praying for a full rapture of the nature of God on the inside of him that Christ would actually be walking down the street, which was Paul, in a physical body at that time, thinking and doing exactly what God would do at that time in a physical body because now he was manifesting in the physical body. This was Paul's look. This is what he taught about. This is what he wanted the church to get. All right, now I'll go back up to first, chapter 3. Philippians 3.13, Paul says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. I forget those things which are behind. How many know that's holding a lot of people back? And I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What's the high calling of God? Oneness with Him one with Him, in His image and likeness, in His nature, allowing it to manifest in your life, praise God. The high calling of God, oneness with Him. This is what causes prosperity in every area of your life, financially, emotionally, feeling-wise, spiritual-wise, every single area of your life, you will have success in it when you understand and believe you are one with Him. All right, one more. Go to Ephesians 4. All right, Ephesians 4, let's start in verse 4. So there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in your hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all, and He's in you all. Here it says the hope of your calling. What is the hope of your calling? The hope of your calling is oneness with Him, growing into a place of receiving everything that Jesus provided for you so you are one with Him. You are thinking like Him. You are desiring what He wants. You, you want His will. You're lined up. You're all where you're supposed to be. So as me, my calling is to be a pastor teacher. My high calling is to grow into a place where I'm one with Him. The only way my calling is ever going to be effective is if I progress in my 
high calling, which allows me to do my calling. Are you following me? See, that's what it's all about. You got apostles and everybody out there who never even advanced in their high calling. Now they're going to try to do a calling and they'll get out there and the first person that gets mad at them, they'll quit. First one that yells at them, they'll, they'll get in unforgiveness and drop the ministry. First time money gets tight, they'll get mad at the people for not giving. Why is that? Because there has to be that foundation under you if you're going to get in your calling to get in the high calling somewhere first. Are you following me? An old sinner boy who thinks God hates him, thinks God's after him. How many know his ministry is not going to do very good? Unless he's got a bunch of losers he can get a hold of and keep preaching that to him. But it's not going to work that way. So he's got to grow out. He's got to understand, I'm righteous, and I need to teach these people I'm righteous. I'm growing. I, I, I got peace. I got joy. I, I don't live in offense. I don't live in unforgiveness. I don't do this stuff. I've grown up to a place now my ministry will reflect my high calling. Do you see? That's why the high calling in this is so important in your life. It basically, it is the character behind your call. And it's a character in your life. It's your normal every day. It's how you live. It's how you do things. It's, how you, it's not just for two hours on Sunday. When do you love everybody? For two hours on Sunday, 10.30 to noon. That's all I love people. Then after that, I think people stink. <laughs> See? And we can all go through the motions. But this is a daily thing. This is a daily growth. This is dealing with daily situations, daily circumstances, doing all these things. And what am I going to do in each one? I'm simply going to obey what the Word tells me to do, no matter how loud my feelings and emotions are screaming at me to do something different, because they will. And it comes to a point to where you do it so many times that your feelings and emotions will give up. <laughs> You'll just naturally do it. You know, people that first start tithing, every Sunday morning they get up, should I or shouldn't I? You shouldn't. You don't have enough money. You should because God's Word says so. No, don't do it this week. You'll never have food. You'll never have anything. But after you tithe for a while, you just get up and write the check. You're not having a battle up here. Your feelings and emotions aren't arguing with you anymore. They're not screaming at you. They're not Same way with going to church. Some people fight whether to go to church or not every morning. Well, I'll tell you, your feelings are never going to feel like going to church on Sunday morning in the morning. You're too tired. You can skip this week. You said a prayer last night. That should take care of the whole service. Praise God. That would be no. I mean, all these excuses, don't they? They come at you. Don't go. You don't have to go there. It's a long drive. You're going to be there late anyway. Don't get there, all this stuff. But once you get to a place to where you're spiritually obeying the word, you don't have those fights anymore. I don't have a fight with doing Wednesday nights, whether I'm here, you know, preaching or not. Back in the old days, I was at every Wednesday and every Sunday. Why? I conquered that. I wasn't fighting every Wednesday night. Was I tired sometimes? Yeah, but that wasn't, that wasn't even in it. Praise God. I was gone. That's all there was to it, and I was going to be here for it. And that's the way you'll get in areas of your life. Pretty soon, nobody will be able to offend you. They're the worst preacher I ever heard. God bless you. So glad you noticed. Praise God. I'm glad you're taking notice. Hallelujah. See? I don't like you. Praise God, I love you even more now, praise God, since you said that. That makes me feel better, hallelujah. What are you doing? You came into a place where those things that have affected you all your life are not affecting you anymore. Why? Because you've stepped into a new area. You're obeying God. God is getting involved with it. Cleans them hurts out right away, takes care of them right away, and you can go forth and do what God called you to do, praise God. So it's the high call of God. Say, I am what God's Word says I am. God's Word says I am a brand new creation. The old things are passing away and all things are becoming new. I choose to renew my mind on God's ways, God's laws, God's desires, God's will so that I line up with His ways, His will, His desire and I become a co-laborer with God. When I co-labor, with God, it is victory, success, prosperity every single time because God is for me, with me, in me, and I cannot fail in any area of my life. And people are going to see it, and they're going to say, what's up with you? You're always happy, joyful, on top. What's the matter with you? And I'll say... I'm just co-laboring with my God on a daily basis. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs>